Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good. Great to see you in the room. Thanks for joining us online. Well, we are launching a brand new series today called My Revival. But before we get to the beginning of that series, I just want to let you know, um, one of the organizations that we partner with financially every month here at the City Church um, is an organization called ARC, ARC Canada. And what ARC stands for is Association of Related Churches. And what ARC Canada does is they plant brand new churches. So over the next two weeks, there's going to be three brand new churches planted in Canada. There's going to be two. There's going to be two in Winnipeg and one in Fort McMurray, Alberta, and which that's super cool. And what's been great, um, these all these three churches have been planning and preparing over COVID. Um, in isolation, but they're getting ready to launch two in Winnipeg and one in Fort McMurray. And who is helping those people plant their churches is you guys. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. You know, we've been stuck at home for all, the majority of the last six months, but as we've been stuck at home and continuing in our generosity, one of the things that's been happening, we've been enabling these teams, these three different teams, to prepare to launch church over the next few weeks. And so it's just great to partner with ARC and what they're doing in all of North America. There's actually 29 churches being planted in the States uh, and with the same organization in the States over the next couple weekends. And so we're just happy to be planting life. And we're, we're not the only church out there, and how many know the world needs more churches? And so we are so thankful to be planting more churches all around Canada. So I just thought it'd be great for us, uh, before we start today, just to pray uh, for these three churches. The names of the churches are in uh, Winnipeg, it's Amber Church and Rose Church, and in Fort McMurray, it is All Nations Church. So let's just take a few seconds and just pray for these pastors and these teams that are going to be launching uh, the next couple weeks. Father God, we just thank you this morning that we can be a part of planting new churches in Canada. And we just take a moment and we just pray for Rose Church and we pray for Amber Church and All Nations Church. God, we just pray for all of these three leadership teams as they embark out in the next few weeks to be ministering your gospel in these various areas. I just thank you, Lord, for your grace upon them, that you continue to grow their heart for the city that you have placed them in. I just thank you, Lord, that great grace rests upon them so they can preach the gospel with power and grace. And I just pray, Lord, for the teams that they've built in those areas and those cities, that they will just have a love for you and have a love for the city to be able to preach the gospel, to minister to children and students and adults, and to help reach people far from you and to help disciple believers. We just thank you for that. We thank you that we have a small part to play in what's happening in Canada and around the world. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. So that's exciting for us to be part of that. If you, if you can follow um, Art Canada on Instagram, you can see all of those plans. It's just ARC Canada on Instagram, and you can see what's happening with Art Canada all of the time. But also for us here at the City Church, we're moving into the fall season, and one of the things that we're going to be doing this fall is we're going to be launching groups. And uh, which is super exciting for us as a church family. And I don't know about you, but I think one of the things that we learned over the last six months, or we should have learned, let me say that, is how important relationships are. 
how important the relationships are with the people that we were stuck quarantining with. That was an important relationship, right? But then also we were denied all of these other relationships. We were denied friendship and, and iron sharpening iron and how important that was um, in that season. That, and I, and I, this is one of the things that I've said. What, what we talked about previously as it relates to relationships and groups was especially proven true over the last six months. Um, and we took all of it for granted. We took all of it for granted that we could just get together. We could just get together in somebody's house or we could just get together um, in a restaurant and do those things. And then we were deprived all of that and we realized, man, relationships are really important. And a little bit of the purpose of this series, my revival, as I'm getting into here in a second, is that when I'm revived in the things of God, I should also share those things. And those things should be shared in the context of godly relationships so that we can sharpen each other, that we, what, what God is doing in my life can help you and then vice versa. I know I've had the opportunity over the last uh, few weeks when things started opening back up for me to get together with some other pastors. And it's, it's a blessing for me to have a relationship with a bunch of other pastors in Ontario. And the little bit of time that I got to be with them over coffee or over lunch, man, we just had the opportunity to share. Hey, this is what God has been doing in my church, and this is what God has been doing in my family, and I was able to share some things. But in the context of that relationship, man, life is given. And, uh, you know, whether it's whether we're meeting in person or whether we're meeting over Zoom, uh, the importance is that we are getting together, that we shouldn't be doing life alone. We shouldn't be just be going through life all on our own, and especially in the context of our relationship with God. We're meant to, in our faith with God, to be doing it in the context of community, and that's what church is all about. Church is all about us being a family, coming together. And what do we all have in common? We all have Jesus in common. And he's growing our faith. And then when he's growing my faith, I can help grow somebody else's faith. And that's what groups is all about. So you're going to have an opportunity, and Julianne is going to dive uh, deeper into it at the end of today's service to help you to know. And we're making it super easy for you uh, either to get in a group or to create a group. So there's no excuses. Everybody say no excuses. There's no excuses not to be in a group this, this fall. Why? Because you can actually stay at home and be in a group. Just turn on your computer and be in a group. So there's no excuse this fall to not get in a group. So quit formulating them in your brain right now, all right? Especially you introverts. <clears throat> you need people, even the introverts. All right, we are launching a series today that we have called My Revival. And the, the topic of revival or the word revival, uh, we can look historically in the church and just the word revival or awakening or renewal, all of these terms are used synonymously uh, to describe different seasons in the context of church history. You know, we see great revivals, and this isn't a, a full comprehensive list, but we have the Great Awakening, and we have the Second Great Awakening, and we have the Welsh Revival, and then we have the Pentecostal Revival that started at the beginning of the 20th century. And there's a bunch of uh, various revivals all throughout the last 2,000 years in church history. Some great revivalists that you might have heard, heard of, D.L. Moody, William Booth, A.B. Simpson, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, George Whitfield, Charles Finney. Uh, John Alexander Dowie, Charles Parnham, William Seymour, um, and someone else that most people know is Billy Graham, because he's kind of the most recent revivalist that we would think of. And there's other revivalists that I haven't named. Like I said, once again, this is not a 
comprehensive list. But if you look back at the beginning of the 20th century, um, you know, the Pentecostal revival is famous for being on Azusa Street. And, and William Seymour was a big part of that. Now, listen to what they did uh, at the Azusa revival that they had three services a day, seven days a week for three and a half years. Is anybody just tired thinking about that? (laughs) Three services a day, seven days a week for three and a half years. And that's one of the things that we would see um, throughout church history that there would be gatherings and then more gatherings and more gatherings and then eventually these revival wanes. Partially the the reason why um, revivals wane and and my my dad has a lot of thoughts about revivals and I've learned so much from him is that people just get tired. You could just imagine if you're you're a part of that revival to go three times a day and but what about your job? It's like, thank God, a bunch of them were farmers, right? Because they could just come whenever they, they would. They would and, and come seven days a week and then three and a half years. But thank God for the impact of revivals over the centuries and, and what they did for the church and what they did for individuals. And one of the, the markers that we would see about revivals is that we would see um, the unconverted come to Christ and then the converted shaken out of their spiritual lethargy. It's also marked by prayer. It's marked by personal transformation. It's marked by Holy Spirit experiences. It's uh, a move to personal holiness. It's marked by um, increased interest in Bible study. And then out of all of these revivals, churches were born. And universities were born. Believe it or not, uh, the oldest university in the States, Harvard, was originally a seminary. Did you know that? That's why it was built. There was revivals happening at Harvard, Christian revivals. And it was a seminary to train pastors. And so many universities were birthed out of Christian movements. Um, Also, we we see Christian camps birthed out of revivals. And maybe if you grew up in church, you probably got to attend some sort of services at Christian camps. And God has done so many things through all of these avenues. And one of the things also we see about revivals that they happened in urban centers and they also happened in rural centers. And also when we look at revivals, we would see that there's something for our minds and then something for our emotions. In other words, some of it is rational. In other words, our thinking, it gets deeper. But then also we have these emotional experiences or we would have emotional experiences in God. Now, depending on who you are and your personality type, you're going to lean one way or the other. You could be more of an emotional person. Not going to ask you to raise your hands. And then you might be more of an intellectual person, more of a thinker versus an emotional type person. But God has a revival for all of us. And it's good for us to know actually what type of person we are. If we lean emotional, we know that it's going to be super easy for God to reach us in this emotional arena. But we should not just have our emotions revived. There's actually something also for our intellect that God would revive something in our thinking. And for those of us, and I include myself in this, probably that would lean more to the thinking side of things, the logical side of things. It's very easy for us to God, for God to reach us in our thinking. But then maybe for those of us that are more thinking oriented, we also need to open up to God 
for him to change our emotions, to affect us emotionally, to um, allow the Spirit of God to come on the inside of us so that I can actually have a real experience with the Spirit of God, that God has both, and he has both for all of us. And, you know, just we look around the world right now today, you know, there's great revivals happening in China. There's not much information coming out of China, <laughs> um, and we can, you can discuss that at lunch, but there, there's great revivals happening in China. There's a bunch of people, there's churches and underground churches and people finding out about Jesus in China, in the continent of Africa, in the continent of South America. There's tremendous revivals happening in cities and nations in those two continents. Thank God for that. Aren't you thankful for that? That God is at move in the earth. Now, one of the things um, that just the word revive means this, it means to live again, to come to life, to come alive, gives me life to cause to live restoration to life, to restore back from a depressed state, from an inactive state, from an unused state. It means a quickening to come alive. And that's one of the things that we would see that someone who's an unbeliever in revivals would be moved into faith in Jesus. But then also for those of us that do know Jesus, that we would be moved out of our spiritual lethargy or something that might have been alive at one time in my relationship with God is now grown dormant for, for various reasons and for different things that have gone on in life and the world and maybe whatever the case may be for you and I, that we all need a revival and we all kind of need a revival at all times, whether or not some big revival is going on. We all kind of need this constant renewal so things don't grow dormant in our lives or things don't that once we're thriving are now unused. And so a question I have for you, when we think about all of these revivals, one of the things that, that they had in common was that they could actually get together in huge crowds and in stadiums and outdoors. And, and in recent times in North America and different places, you know, you could, get, you could get together in a stadium, but now nobody can go to stadiums at this moment. They won't let us. You can talk about that at lunch, too. Um, but my question is for you, does that mean God can't do anything in our lives? Does that mean, God, that we can't experience revival right now just because we can't gather in huge crowds? Or is God up in heaven being like, well, I'm just waiting for governments. I'm just waiting for governments to give me the okay, and then I'm going to be able to move once again in my church and the hearts and lives again of my children. I would say no, that God is not waiting for that. So what do we need? Because if we don't need a crowd, what do we need to actually experience revival, my revival, and the revival necessary in my life? Now, my wife loves to do... Um, things with plants and with yard work and with our grass and all that type of stuff. I don't, <laughs> generally speaking. It's kind of her, you know, she just loves it, she just feels it in her bones. She comes by it naturally, her dad was like that. And my dad 
was kind of like that too. My dad used to love his lawn before he moved into his condo. Just love is perfectly green all of the time. And it skipped me. I don't know. Maybe my children <laughs> will experience this. And so my wife wanted to, we don't have a very big front yard, but my wife wants to um, improve the grass on our front yard. So one of the things that you have, you know, you can lay some seed and some dirt and all that, and you got to rake it in. So there's a little bit of work involved that I'm not interested in doing necessarily. Happy wife, happy life, though. You know what I'm saying? So you're trying to make her happy. And so one of the things that my wife said to me yesterday, as we're getting ready, we are getting ready to fix our front yard. She said, we need to rake up the front yard so that we can disturb the ground a little bit. We need to, that there's some hard spots on on our yard and then we need to break up those hard spots so that the good soil, the seed can get in there. And thinking about preaching as I always do, I'm like, yeah, that's what we need for revival. We need to break up the hard spots in our heart, the unused spots in our heart. Why? Because God wants to pour some seed in there. He wants to pour his Holy Spirit in there so that I can actually experience revival because we could look out at, at the, the front yard of our lives that could represent our spirituality and it could represent a measure of lethargy. It could represent a measure of, hey, that spot that used to be on fire for God, it's really unused or it's gone dormant. And we can't be thinking, you know, when we, when we can have 400 people in our church building twice on a Sunday, then God can really move again. Why would we pay, place limitations on God like that? And this is a little bit of my personal pet peeve in life growing up in church, that people gave credence to so many things as it relates to me experiencing revival, whether it was a big group or whether it was a certain type of singing or a certain type of favorite song that somebody would have or the way the preacher was drafted or what, what the stage would look like, that all of those things were given credit over God himself. That God can't move because of this and God can't move because of this and God can't move because we don't sing my favorite song. But here we are in a season of life and in the church, we can't gather in big crowds, but I would say that God can move just the same if we would break up the ground of our hearts and that I can actually experience revival for myself and not just for myself, but once again, that I could be in relationship with somebody and then I could actually share my revival. The unused parts of my heart There's something that was on fire, but now can be ignited again in my relationship with God, that God wants to break up the hard places in our heart. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says this, do you you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? They were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Because of the resurrection, we too, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we too can experience resurrection. We can walk in new life, and that's what our lawn needed. And that's what our hearts need. That we can walk in the newness of life. Not be sad about the oldness. Not not be wondering why I used to be excited about God and I'm not anymore. 
that because of the resurrection that we can actually walk in the newness of life. For we have been united with him (coughs) in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Resurrection, come alive again. United with Christ. And this is something that we need to know that goes along with our relationship with God and an invitation for others to be in a relationship with God. Come alive again. I mean, just simply put, the word revive means something that, something that was alive once and then it comes alive again. So what are the areas of my heart, as we're going to be talking about in this season, some areas of my heart or maybe some practices that I can do that once were maybe alive, and now they're like that hard dirt on our front yard. We need to go out there with the rake, and we need to stir up the ground so that I can experience the revival that God would have for us. Isaiah 57, verse 14, and it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who's, who inhabits Eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What does that mean? It's just humble. God wants to prepare a way. What does he want to prepare? And how is he going to prepare a way? He's going to prepare a way by preparing my heart. That I would come humbly to God and say, what are the areas, God, of my heart? There may be a little bit dry. And even if you were to send some seed, there's no good ground for it to land into. What are the areas of my heart that I need to run the rake over a little bit? Why? Because God wants to do something in my heart. He's preparing a way. He wants to remove every obstruction so that I can actually experience revival. He wants to revive my heart. And this is where it starts in our lives. My revival, my life revival, is not going to start externally or for the world to get better or for us to have permission to have a full full building again or for us to be able to meet in a stadium somewhere and then revival can happen. No, he's going to start with our hearts. That he wants to revive our hearts. God, what what needs to be revived in me? God, what do you want to do in my heart in this season? How can I experience revival? And then just not a revival for me, but then I'm going to take that revival to my relationships so that I can be a blessing to someone else. And then the, the revival that I'm experiencing, I can tell somebody else about it. I can tell the story how God is breaking up certain things in my heart and he's changing my life. Because this could be a really great moment in history for the church, as I've been saying for many weeks now. But it can be, and it won't be though if we're just like, okay, we got to wait for big crowds, or we got to wait for this, or we got to wait for this, or we got to wait for this other thing to happen. Know that God is going to revive our hearts. He's going to start with our hearts. Just a humble heart. We're going to read you one story today. 
And then we're just going to take a, a moment to soften our hearts a little bit as we start out this series. I'm going to read you a story from one of the kings of Judah. His name is Hezekiah. Now, at Israel one time in its history was separated into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah. And Hezekiah was a good, uh, historically speaking, one of the good kings in Judah. And here is the story that we read about Hezekiah. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord. Now, you know, depending on what type of background you have, this, this could be a really exciting thing for somebody. I, I just, I just want to thus say the Lord um, from, from a person like a famous pastor or a famous prophet or whatever, and this would just be so, this would be just like golden for me to have this. This is what Isaiah's prophecy is to Hezekiah. Set your house in order, for you shall die. Yeah, that's not really what I'm looking for, Isaiah. It's not really the prophecy that I would desire in this moment. The, the way things are going for you right now, Hezekiah, you are surely going to die. You shall not recover. How many know that didn't necessarily bless Hezekiah? In that moment, he was like, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that with me, Isaiah. And then this. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and I've done what's good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now we can think about the words that he said there, but just this thing, this very first thing, that Hezekiah did. What did he do? He turned his face to the wall. In other words, he just got alone with God. And then he prayed. Would this be our first reaction? Or would it be like, you know, I was hoping for a prophecy, but it was like, you know, that I'm going to be a millionaire and that I'm going to be president of this company and whatever the case may be. Now I get a prophecy and I'm going to die and you just, you just want to complain about that. You just want to be angry about that and say, oh my gosh, this is just not fair. Life is not fair. But he turned his face to the wall and he prayed. He got alone with God. That he positioned his heart in such a way to have this conversation with God. And let's see how the story turns. When the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, he said, go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord... The God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. Now, someone's like, okay, is God schizophrenic? What's the problem here with this story? You know, make up your mind, God. Now, this should help us a little bit to know what, understand the will of God. And what the prophecy basically to Hezekiah is, if you continue the way you're going, you shall surely die. Now, why am I saying that? Because he was able to change. Hezekiah changed, and then God added 15 years to his life. So there's something in that moment when he turned his face to the wall. And this thing didn't, ha didn't take a long time. We see the same story repeated in 2 Kings chapter 20. And, and how the story goes is that Isaiah gave the prophecy to Hezekiah, and then he was leaving 
And then as he was leaving, it says he was in the court, and then God said to him in that moment, okay, turn around and tell him that I'm adding 15 years. So wasn't it, it didn't take like a four-day long prayer meeting for Hezekiah to get God's attention. That it was just, it was a heart shift. It was just a heart change. It was God's going to revive the lowly in heart. And then God added 15 years to his life. Now, as much as you don't want that prophecy, don't you want to know when things are going the wrong way? Can I get an amen? Amen. Things are going the wrong way. If you're not going down the right road, you should want a revival. You should want God to revive whatever is happening in your life because if that dormancy that you're experiencing in your relationship with God, maybe that lethargy is taking you down a wrong road, we should want to know from God, what, what do I have to stir up? in my heart. Now, what's great about this story is that we have from Hezekiah a writing about this season. And it's found in the same chapter down in verse 9. It says, a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So Hezekiah was like journaling about this season. After he had been sick and recovered from his sickness, verse 10, I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. What does that mean? What is he saying? In the middle of this situation, he thought, I guess I'll just die. It's just better for me to give up. And this is what circumstances do to us. Situation, circumstance, the condition of our heart, the the dry ground of our heart, it wants to make us quit. And this is how I always know that negative circumstances that want to make us quit don't come from God. He's, he's in the middle of this, and he's just like, um, I just must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. In other words, the rest of my life is going to be hell, is what Hezekiah is saying. I said, I shall not see the Lord. The Lord in the land of the living, I shall look on, on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up. I am re- removed like a shepherd's tent, like a weaver. I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom, from the day to night. You bring me to an end. I calm myself until the morning. Like a lion, he breaks all my bones from day to night. You bring me to an end. So this is what Hezekiah is writing. Now, what I just read is not necessarily inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it is what Hezekiah wrote. And we need to know what Hezekiah wrote, because then what? It gets to this spot. For Sheol, hell, does not thank you. Death does not praise you. And here's the very first thing that I want to focus on as we start this series, is that living hell is like not being thankful. That's what hell is like when you live. No thankfulness. For Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. And wouldn't you think in a moment like this, when you're like, hey, you're going to die? In that moment, it's hard to find something to be thankful for. But living hell is like living a life without thankfulness, without any gratefulness in in your heart. For those who go down to the pit, 
Do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you. As I do this day. Like, he said it twice. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to revive ourselves in a moment when it looks like sure death? What's going to come alive in me is I'm going to be thankful. And sometimes you might have to search down under your frustrated emotions to be thankful. Don't we think Hezekiah had to dig down deep a little bit here? Hey, you're going to die, Hezekiah. What, what can I be thankful for in this moment? Verse 20. Sorry, I'll finish this verse. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. Verse 20. The Lord will save me. Listen to what Hezekiah says. And we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. So this first part of his writing was super depressed, and I guess I'll just die. But something was revived in Hezekiah. One of the things that was revived is that he realized the living, praise God, should actually be our disposition. And it might be the ground of our hearts that needs to be broken up. Because there's tons of stuff happening. And the, the, the things that I can remember to be thankful for might be buried down under a bunch of stuff right now for my life. But this is something that Hezekiah realized was true, and it's true of the living. And he said it twice, the living, the living, this is what we do. And then what's the end of the story? Basically is like, hey, I'm going to go play my guitar at church all the time. Because <laughs> he's now way excited that the Lord has saved him. Has the Lord saved you? Are you here this morning? Yes, something has been done in the past for your present, and that is true every day that you live, this thankful heart. See, when life feels like hell, thankfulness is not at the top of your list. It's, 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 you've lost it. It's, it's become dormant. It's underneath a bunch of stuff. It's underneath a bunch of circumstances. It's the thing that we used to be able to do. It's the thing that I used to do all of the time. It's the thing that I used to give me real joy. And now I have to do it with a mask on. But the living praise God. The living thank God. See, thankfulness is all about focus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is here. Verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. We should be praying all of the time. Why? Because there's things that make us feel anxious. 
But I'm not going to be anxious about those things. Instead of being anxious, I'm going to use my energy to pray. And then when I pray, I'm going to be thankful. And just with this one word, as we start out this series, we can experience revival if we choose to be thankful instead of choosing to be afraid. A lot of things out there that are designed to get you to constantly living in a state of fear. I'm not saying we shouldn't be precautious. I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise, but we also intend with all of those things. Fear is not going to help any of it. How you live your life, fear is never a benefit to you. Don't be anxious about anything, but by everything we're going to pray, we're going to do it with thanksgiving, because why? This is what the living do. Scripture says, if I don't praise, the rocks are going to cry out. I don't want any rocks singing my song. I want to choose thankfulness in this moment. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Fear versus thankfulness. Thankfulness is a better choice. Worry versus thankfulness. Thankfulness is a better choice. Complaining. Cynicism. Criticism. Thankfulness is a better posture to live by. Spoken from a critic, from a cynic. But to live there is hell. Thankfulness is a better choice. Thankfulness is the choice that leads us to God's peace. It revives in us. Praise. It revive. It, com- it comes alive again. My realization of how good God is, even in this moment in history, when things don't look like on the outside we could have some big revival in the church, there can be a revival in my heart, and then it could spread to somebody else. The good kind of spreading. That, that I'm getting joy from thankfulness and then I'm going to share it with one of my friends in person or on Zoom that I'm going to share what I'm thankful for this week. Doesn't mean that I'm pretending there's not other things going on in the world, but I'm not, I'm going, to, I'm not going to be anxious about those things. I am going to let my requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. Disappointed expectations versus thankfulness. And that would be true for all of us. In 2020, nobody sat January 1st, 2020, and thought this would be our year. We, we had plans, didn't we? You, I'm, especially the planners. I know there were some planners that they had like trips mapped out, and we're gonna go here, and we're gonna go there, and they can't go anywhere. And their job was going to be a certain way, and then it wasn't. And then family life was going to be a certain way, and then it wasn't. 
and the world was going to be a certain way, and it wasn't. We have all of these disappointments in 2020. Now, we can focus on all of those things. But let's dig out the dry dirt of disappointment and be thankful today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So do you know what you're thankful for today? If you have your Bible open, let's put it away. Put it, take, if you're taking notes, put, put it away for a second. We're actually going to take a few seconds just to be thankful. I, I listed a bunch of disappointments. Are we living there constantly? And with our mind and with our attitude, our thought life is a constantly go there. Cynicism and criticism and complaining and fear. Are we living in all of those spaces? Hezekiah gave us good advice. He's like, there, that's, that's actually a living hell. And how many of you think it's unwise to live in a hell created by your own mind? I would think we would all agree with that. We don't want to live in that place. But let's, let's dig up that ground this morning today. I mean, the, the very first simplest thing that we can be thankful for, for everybody sitting in the room and everybody watching online, is you're still living. Isn't that a gift? Huh? A lot of people have died in this season. But here you are. And the life that we get to live, we shouldn't want to constantly live in a hell of our own choosing. But instead, instead, don't be anxious. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So I'm going to pray here in a second. And I'm just going to be thankful for a bunch of stuff in my life. But don't let me do it for you, okay? You need to do it in your seat. If you, you need to do it at home. Let's list off some stuff. Some super basic stuff that we're thankful for. Let's just do that right now. Father God, I'm just so thankful today. I'm so thankful for your word. That your word is with me every step of the way. That I can lean on what you say. I'm so thankful, Lord, for your spirit who is with me all of the time. You never leave me or forsake me. God, I'm so thankful for my parents. I'm so thankful for the gift they are to me and my sister and my wife and our family. I'm just so thankful for them, Lord, in this season. I'm so thankful, Lord, for my wife in this season. And all that she does for me and all she does for our home and all that she does for the church. I'm just so thankful for her, Lord. So thankful for my kids that drive me crazy, but I love them like nothing else. God, I'm so thankful for the gifts that they are to me and Nicole. 
I'm so thankful, Lord, as I look at the future that you are preparing for them, Lord. I'm so excited for their futures. God, I'm so thankful that we live in Canada. I know this nation isn't perfect, God, but I'm so thankful for our nation. I'm so thankful, Lord, for all the blessings in our life. From when I get up in the morning till I lay my head down at night. All of the blessings that you have blessed my family with, Lord, that we don't deserve. But it is only by your grace that we experience all that we have. God, I'm just so thankful for the life that I get to live. I'm so thankful that I know you. God, we just love you so much today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now beyond this moment, you need to do that a little bit. Maybe turn off the news that's driving you crazy. Just be like, you know, I'm just going to spend five minutes thinking of stuff to be thankful for. And as I was praying there about the first thing you were thankful for is, is God and a relationship with God. And if you happen to be in the room today, you're watching us online and you don't actually have a relationship with God. You know, God in his grace gives us one. He offers it to us. And all we have to do is say yes. So I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life here in the room watching online, I invite you to pray along with me to say yes to a relationship with God. It's just the very first step in your relationship with God. Let's just pray this morning in church. Let's pray this out loud together. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and lived the sinless life. That he died on a cross. And you raised him from the dead. So that we could know you. So today, Lord, we say yes to that relationship. We say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.